Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson is joining us today with Heartland Farm Partners. We're going to look at a variety of different things. Of course, we did have uh, that report of last Friday. We had a lot of... Um, discussion that's been happening since then i think some water cooler talk from producers as well and if you haven't seen the story we'll probably get to this in part two is the rfs waiver and we saw some uh, denials come out uh, from the epa so uh, i know that agriculture is pretty excited about that jeff uh, let's look at that uh, report from friday we actually got a double whammy report within an hour of each other did you see any surprises out of the crop report last friday well, you know, taking a look at first, Susan, you know, the Lazio report, then you're exactly right. And we've also got to talk a little bit about the FSA numbers, too. So we'll get to that a little bit later on. But, you know, surprisingly, there wasn't a lot of uh, surprises uh, coming out of the the WASDE reports. Sometimes this September report can be full of surprises, and especially due to the fact that we hadn't had a chance to see the NAS yields. We haven't seen the objective yields coming from them until really this report. So, but overall, not really any surprises that we ended up seeing, which uh, that's pretty uncommon. Well, do you think there was some pressure on this report because of the damage we saw to crops in Iowa and, and eastward? Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, so if, we, if you sit back and dig into it, you know, there were so many different pieces of, of information. And, you know, and I think by them, NAS going out there and surveying and taking a look at the acre situation on harvested acres, I think that helped to give some people some comfort and saying, OK, so we need to adjust harvested acres, 500,000. We know they're going to do that again for the October report, because I really feel for the people in Iowa that has been devastating. Then we have to deal with the dry conditions out there that, you know, impacted both the corn and the soybean yields. And, and it was good to see some of that objective yield data, you know, coming back in. And, and a few things that we kind of noticed here, we know from the ag yield side, the ag yield survey side, you know, they would have sampled about 9,140 people. Now, that's down from last month. And a lot of that, if you talk to them, that's some of that's because of what they were doing on the wheat side. And then also on the objective yield side, and that would have been farmer surveys that I was talking about, where they basically just asked them what was their yield and then also what was the amount of acres so they feel get a feel of how big of a representation it is. And then they got into the objective yield side, and they did, you know, 3,930 samples. And that was across corn, soybeans, and cotton. But in particular, if you were to dig into that a little deeper, they actually sampled 1,560 different samples on the corn side, 1,530 on the soybean side. And for Nebraska, we had 200 of those, so 200 out of the 1,560. And then over on the soybean side, there had been about 130 samples. And and what's good about this, I, I feel good as we look at the corn numbers, I, I really think they're getting the corn number pretty accurate. And, and the reason I feel like that, Susan, is is that if you get to the dent stage with them, let's think about what they're doing. Uh, NAS is they're coming up with their yield. They're physically looking at their amount of ears they have. They're counting the rows around. They're measuring the length. But then they're also coming in and about an inch up from the butt of the ear. They're also putting their calipers on that. Now, I don't think they captured exactly the the shallower kernels than normal that I think we're going to see as a result, you know, in the lower test weight, but I think it gets us close. Now, over on the soybean side, it's a little less certain because really what I wasn't sure of going into this report, and, and one of the areas I thought there could be a surprise is I was hoping we didn't get surprised by too many pods that they counted. I know that the pro farmer numbers 
you know, showed some big pod counts compared to last year. But as we dug in and looked at how it compared to the 2018, it wasn't monstrous by no means. And actually it was, you know, pretty comparable to 18. So now that we've got the pod counts out of the way, um, now we had to deal with what's the pod weight. And, and that's where our feeling going forward is that uh, I think we're going to end up seeing, you know, some lower pod weights going forward here on the bean side. So it, it was a definitely an interesting port, report from the yield side, Susan. Well, you know, and I find it interesting, Jeff, and, and we can get more of your thoughts on these, both the corn and the soybean yields from NAS. There wasn't a lot of social media lynching out there with the numbers like we've seen in past reports. You know, that's a good point. There really wasn't. And, and that's where I think they're really pretty close on the corn side. I think it maybe could come down a little bit, but we're down below trend. But if we think about it, you know, we go back to about a month ago, there was people talking, maybe it's a 182, maybe 183. So, you know, it's came down quite a bit. And over on the bean side, you're exactly right. There wasn't a lot of people that were saying, oh, this is way wrong. I think a lot of it is because everybody is so uncertain, really. I mean, you know, if we go back to the first part of August, uh, the yields looked really good, but boy, we really ended up reducing this yield. And, and you know, as we come down the road, I, I think we're going to see in future reports, we're going to see NAS pulling that yield down. How much? I, I think there's a chance that we could get the yield down into the upper 48s, which, you know, 49 and a half is kind of sitting in there around trend. So I, I think there's still some room to bring this down. And really the reason I believe that, Susan, is just because some of the major producers of soybeans, Iowa, Nebraska, um, parts of northern Illinois, um, you take some of those areas and you just didn't have the finish. And, and what you did is you aborted some pods, and we saw that in the pod count. And then instead of having some four bean pods, you've now got three bean pods or two bean pods. And then also you've got some beans in there that honestly are really, really small and, and they may not even make it into the grain tank, to be honest with you, on some of those. So we just, when you have Nebraska going back to, you know, on the weather side, back to 1895 or the driest August, that isn't the type of fill that you like. And out of NOAA for Iowa, it's the 13 driest for Iowa. But we know within districts within there, also within Iowa, we know that there was a June, July, and August where ultimately they probably had some of their driest conditions that they had during that time frame going back. So we just didn't have the good conditions to fill the crop. Well, stick around, folks. We come back. We're going to continue to talk about these reports. Of course, October is going to be here before we know it. So what can we expect? What are some of the early thoughts on that October report? We'll also look for demand on corn and beans, and we'll also talk about that whole RFS announcement that came out earlier today. There's a lot more coming up on this Monday afternoon. It is the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield, continuing our conversation today with Jeff Peterson. He is with Heartland Farm Partners. Now, we talked about it a little bit before we went to break, but I was going to see if there was any follow-up that we needed to do when it comes to this October report, knowing that we'll finally have some combines in the fields and be getting some numbers. Yeah, that's that's exactly, and that's what the market really needs, is that they're, the big thing we notice as we look around is that you know you've got fields that are quite a ways from harvest yet if you know obviously on the irrigated side and you've got other dryland fields that are holding on pretty well too so it's, it's variable even 
you know, across the countryside and also within the field. So we really need to get the combines out in the field to start pulling this yield data in. And then that'll have an impact. We'll have to start thinking about the October report because, believe it or not, within a couple of weeks here, you know, NASA will be back out there starting to work on that. So they'll be focused on asking that same question of the farmer, you know, what do you think about your yield? And, and instead of him just working off of what are some of the different estimates that he's thinking, he'll actually have some different types of yield data to report. And then as they get back out there on the NAS side, they'll, they'll be able to, if stuff's at maturity, they'll be able to take their ears back into the lab and weigh them up. And the same thing on the bean side, if we're getting that close. So, so I think we're going to find a lot more clarity. We think, uh, Slaving yield in the upper 48s, I think, is very possible. And I think on the corn side, maybe if we bring it down, you know, maybe a half bushel to a bushel lower than where we're at, I think that's where it's going to kind of bring us in. And, and it's possible, Susan, on the soybean side, it may take out to the November report to actually get to that type of level because beans might not be quite far enough along by the time we get to the end of September to be able to get the, the actual pod weights weighed up. So as we look at moving forward demand-wise, how are things looking for corn? You know, what's really nice, Susan, is we're off to a good start. You know, it's it's nice to have China in buying some bushels. And we know that as a result of that, what that's given us is that's given us some, some good demand right here at harvest. Uh, we're seeing basis stay firm. It's going to be nice to have a good export program along with our demand we see on the ethanol side. And then over on the soybean side, you know, we've got some very good demand uh, going to China there again. So our risk is, is that they don't ship. But but I, I think we will see the shipment. I, I think it sure seems like China's trying to build up some reserve stocks. You know, it, it could be that they their stocks are much tighter than what they've they've let on or that USDA has picked up on. And, and it sure seems that's the case. But I think they also are are trying to get some reserve stocks built up just in case, you know, they, they think about if if ultimately Trump's in office another four years, we'll have to see what the election says, of course, but they might think, well, maybe we need to make sure we've got some extra supply in case, you know, tensions get tougher down the road. So overall, demand is setting good that way on from the export side. Crush side is good on the bean side. We come back into the U.S. side on, on ethanol, and ethanol demand is going to be off a little bit here. Um, unless we, you know, take into account some of the latest announcements, whether it be on on the RFS side or also on, you know, Trump talking about the infrastructure on the E10 and E15. So, Okay, so so we look at that and that announcement that came in today, I think caught many by surprise at the vast number that got the denial. Yeah, and, and I'm going to have to take a look, uh, actually, Susan, and dig into that a little deeper. You know, it's encouraging to see that there was some denials, um, but it's going to be interesting to dig in and see what exactly, how many of them did actually end up getting it. And I know that has been announced. I just probably haven't had a chance to dig into it quite as deep as what you have yet, Susan. So what about the comments then that came from the president in regards to E10 for E15? Yeah, so so I think that's encouraging. Uh, a couple things that so what we're talking about here is the ability to use the e, E10 infrastructure, um, use E15 in the E10 infrastructure, and and I think I mean at face value that looks like it can have a boost. What's a little bit unsure here yet is that what approvals are going to have to be put in place yet. You know, it's talking about the state approvals, and and I'd assume this means all the EPA hurdles have been covered. But then uh, right now, the only thing that concerns us a little bit here is the fact that you've got about a 20 cent difference between gasoline and ethanol. And you've got the gasoline cheaper in here, which from the discretionary blending side makes it hard to go ahead and increase that blend. But what I'm hearing 
because of where REN values are priced, it, it it has that potential to still make it so that the E15 could be competitive. And and so and that's what's going to have to do. The E15 is going to have to compete. So that opens the door. No one's been able to put a number on it yet. We haven't either of what this could mean for additional, you know, um, usage for on the ethanol side. But that's definitely something we're going to be watching. Uh, we know that uh, South America is going to have, you know, fence row to fence row when it comes to planting this year. What are you hearing for weather and is it a deterring factor at this time for the crops? A couple of things we're watching very closely is the La Nina setup that's happening. And what that's causing is that's causing some dryness in the Mata Grosso area, you know, and in that region right now, they're getting very close to being able to start soybean planting. But they're going to have to hold off here for a while yet. Now, they've got plenty of time yet, so I'd say the best thing, Susan, here is that we just got to put that on a watch list. But with the La Nina, that could make it a little bit drier than they'd like in South America. All right. What's the best way for folks to get a hold of you, Jeff? Yeah, give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. Just a reminder, commodity futures and options involve substantial risk of loss are not suitable for all investors. That is the Fontenelle Final Bell brought to you by Fontenelle Hybrids and all your local Fontenelle dealers on the Rural Radio Network.